0: It is a sad reality. Many children go through their entire K-12 experience never having an African-American teacher. This reality must change. Today, I have a conversation with former principal and teacher, Sharif El-Meke, who is devoted to this mission. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston where we zone in on black and brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. As the founder and CEO of the Center for Black Educator Development, Sharif and I discuss his professional journey in becoming an educator and what he and the center are doing to increase the number of Black educators nationally. Some of these strategies can be helpful to you and your communities as well. Hi, Sharif El-Meki. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Well, I am... uh, Really excited about having you, especially being an educator and talking to another educator, uh, and especially a, a black man who is really passionate about education. Uh, it's really good to have you on the show.
1: No, thanks for you know thanks for the space um, to be able to like dive in and and have a conversation about uh, black education, what I've learned over my career and what we're hoping to accomplish at the center for black educator development.
0: So tell me, how did you get into the field of education?
1: Uh, I was recruited, uh, and I came in initially kicking and screaming. I was not interested <laughs> in teaching at all. Um, but I was, I knew I was committed to activism and supporting my community, but I did. I thought that at the time that it was going to be, uh, through legal means, um, being in a courtroom, um, and as my friend Michael Cord says, he became a lawyer not to get justice, but to expose the injustice in the you know criminal injustice system. Mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I would I saw myself in a very similar um, you know vein, and uh, a my best friend from elementary school, by you, I just graduated from college his mother called Mama Cynthia and said like, hey, you know what, they're recruiting Black men to teach. And in my head, I'm like, Mama Cynthia, I had never said anything about teaching. I don't want to go to this meeting, but she was one of our mamas, you know, and, you know, you, you we grew up listening to the advice of our elders. So even just out of respect. So I went to the initial meeting out of respect for Mama Cynthia. Um, you know, thank you, Mama Cynthia Moultrie. Appreciate you, you know, because I was just like, all right, I'll go, you know, so I could say, yep, I went. And, but when I got there, um, I met Dr. Martin Ryder, a Black man, veteran educator in um, in the school district of Philadelphia, and who really painted a picture where I could see myself as an educator. I could see myself as an activist leading a classroom. And it was just a really profound experience, you know. Um, and I'm still in touch with him, you know, all these years later, you know, almost 30 years later. Um, he's retired now. And and living his best life, uh, but you know, he really helped me to see that uh, the purest form of activism was teaching black children well, and that there was a deep connection between educational justice and racial justice, mm-hmm. and that was uh, something I wanted to be a part of.
0: So how did you enter, what level of education did you uh, begin teaching?
1: Yeah, so my first nine years was teaching uh, literature and social studies, um history so uh which was I blended together so often like you know sometimes the principal would come observe, like wait is this literature or history I'm like it is both like it is both you know there's no separation so I just loved it you know my first uh actually 15 years was all in middle school you know which is interesting because I would learn later that people were like I don't want to work in middle school and I just like I loved it you know um and then even the last 11 years, uh, I was in a seven through 12. So I felt like I had the best of both worlds I had the middle school, or at least two thirds of the best worlds, because folks who love elementary school would say, "Now nah, that's the best of, <laughs> you know, of, <laughs> of the worlds. But, um, you know, but it also speaks to being, uh, you know, being in the right seat on the right, um, you know, on the right bus, because. When I thought I was interested, after I met Dr. Martin and I was like, all right, maybe I'll try this out. I'll be, you know, I started substituting in Philadelphia School District, and I ended up substituting at an elementary school with kindergartners and first graders, and I told my mother one day afterwards, I went to her house, and I was like, I don't think teaching is for me, like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, and she said, I don't see you as a kindergarten teacher, you know, probably the older students, and sure enough, she was right, but I was, well, I was like, no, nah, this ain't this ain't it, (laughs) you know, Um, but yeah, yeah,
0: you know, I, I'm from a family of educators, uh, and uh, my sister, she taught middle school, and she's like, Mm. I hate teaching middle school, so that's just so funny, she's like, that's a hard group, that's a hard group, Uh, I am actually an educator too, I um, uh, was a professor at Morehouse College, which is a mm. historically black college and university devoted to educating, nurturing, and developing African American men. men, it's the only HBCU. It's the only HBCU for for uh et- entirely devoted to educating black men. So right, right. Um, that it, I I consider it a sacred place in space. Mm. And it is good to hear that you know you you know you taught on these different levels and then figured out what your sweet spot was right, in terms right. of education. So how did you move from being an educator in the classroom and then uh, uh, moving toward working for the Center for Black Educator uh, Development?
1: Yeah, so, you know, after 26 years working in, in schools, um, both leaving classrooms as well as leading the school, and mind you, across those 26 years, you know, as my students would say, that's a quarter of a century. I'm like, don't, don't describe it that way. Describe, (laughs) you know what I mean? uh, It was, I had the opportunity to like think about things or work on something that I had been thinking about and fiddling around with nights and weekends for quite some time, you know? So, um, this idea of teacher preparation was something that was very important to me. Uh, teacher diversity, having more black teachers was very important to me um, and, and student outcomes. And so when it was the opportunity to really work with a team that was thinking their full-time job and work was a mission was to think about how do we rebuild um, and participate but help drive certainly the rebuilding of a national black teacher pipeline. Like what would it look like to rebuild the black teacher pipeline? Um, what do we need to draw from historically, what do we need to add because of the current day's context, Uh, how to think about it, you know, and so we were able to, you know, uh, amass a team to really dive in with this idea of like, okay, if we wanted to rebuild a national Black teacher pipeline that's highly effective, that's sustainable and predictable, what will we do? How will we think about it? And that's really was uh, the, the transition. And I would say between those two things, I was really focused on black men in education. Um, and we had uh organization that we started in 2014 called the Fellowship Black Male Educators for Social Justice. Um, and out of that came a lot of work and engagement with black men you know, um, who were either current or aspiring educators. And what their experience was, what their perspectives uh, were, um, and how we could support them. And so from there, you know, was able to raise enough money, hire a CEO, and I went back to being a principal. Um, but it still continues to gnaw on me that nationally, like, you know, 2% Black men, but it's only 5% Black women. So it's not, you know, that much of a difference when you're looking at overall Number of, of Black educators. And so, what would it look like to expand the work? Still, you know, have our eyes on the nuance necessary in supporting and retaining and recruiting uh, Black men into the profession, um, but also thinking about what does the entire ecosystem look like? And so, we landed on policy and advocacy and agitation for change, uh, professional learning for anyone in the ecosystem, and then very specific, deliberate pathways. Uh, for Black youth to explore and then enter the profession.
0: Wow, those statistics are amazing. I thought it would have been many, many more uh, Black women as teachers than men. Uh, But that Mm -hmm. is a very close percentage when you talk about 5% versus 2%.
1: Exactly. And And places uh, like Philly, the number is significantly different, right? So it's like 20% uh, Black women. And four or five percent black men, um, but nationally, that's not the case.
0: Wow, um, that's interesting to hear, especially you know, with me being a historian, uh, and understanding education, uh, the educational profession used to be one of those treasured professions in oh, the, yeah. the African American community. In fact, you know, uh, it was at one point considered one of the uh, I upper kind of professions you could pursue, the minister, right, and the teacher, mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. were the most respected in the community, and to see yeah. how that has become devalued in our community is amazing, and when you even look at it beyond African Americans and look at it in the Afrocentric context, you know, the, the the teacher was one of the most respected in the community, if well. you look at uh, the 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 African community in general. So yeah, it's really yeah. great to hear that the Center for Black Educator Development is really reimagining uh, what Black education is and should be today. And uh, it's so important to have these images that look like yourself in education. I know I went through um I'm from a small town called Brownwood, Texas, and I only had from first to 12th grade, I had one Black teacher in the sixth grade and no Black male teachers. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I went to college, a historically Black college in Atlanta, Georgia called Clark Atlanta University, Mm -hmm. that I was exposed to my first Black teachers. And I can remember, I was describing this recently, seeing the just looking at my teachers like I couldn't believe I had a Black English teacher, a Black (laughs) math teacher, you know, and what impact that made for for me as an individual educationally and professionally. So when you look at those pipelines, which now we really regard them as pathways Mm -hmm. um, to the education profession, what is the center doing in order to uh, increase the interest and access uh, for people who want to pursue careers, to, to kind of guide them, excuse me, into careers uh, in education.
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, and, and I got to shout out Clark University um, in Atlanta, you know, one, they're partnering with Morehouse, um, where you also, you know, had the connection as a professor um, and new leaders to uh, which is a nonprofit. Uh, so the three, those three uh, entities are coming together to support and develop and certify, uh, you know, uh, black leadership for schools, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is absolutely important. Is one of the ways to help recruit and retain, because um, there's a lot of research that shows you know uh, uh, black principals are more likely to hire, support, and retain uh, black educators. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, and they tend to be in black school, you know, schools serving black communities as well. So that's one thing. Um, Just wanted to shout out. Uh, And then the Center for Black Educated Development, like how we look at pathways is really that early exposure as well as clinical experiences. Mm -hmm. And so how we're thinking about it is like, what would it mean for a high school student to have early exposure and clinical experience as they're exploring the idea of teaching? Right. And we know that for a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school, it may be really early for a lot of them to say oh yes I'm committed to teaching for 10 years uh, but what we often also see is that they don't even have exposure to what teaching might look like What is the mindset for a, 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 an effective teacher what is it um, they often there's also this assumption that oh, you know about education and teaching because you were a student for all these years, you know, so you graduated high school, you were in school, so you already know what teaching is, but they actually have no idea about like what lesson planning looks like, what research looks like, what data collection and all of those type of things at a deeper level than what they experience as a student, right? It's not often where teachers are and principals are having think alouds as they're doing the work about teaching, right? Like they may have think alouds about the standard that they're trying to teach about, but not What's the process of actually helping me get from point A to point B as a student? And so that's what we allow them to do. We use uh, kind of this combination. We have a Freedom School Literacy Academy Mm -hmm. um, that is year round after school and in the summertime where it's based off of kind of, you know, Freedom School traditionally, um, the Black Panther Party liberation schools, Mm -hmm. as well as the independent Black school movement. Um, so, like, the, the, the work that those teachers did in those three spaces, um, and we're like, suppose we have a teacher apprenticeship that draws from those, you know, um, historical institutions, and we create a, a teacher apprenticeship, a paid teacher apprenticeship for Black high school youth, Black college youth, right? So, even if you're not an education major, you're a freshman or sophomore in high school, what type of experience can we provide you where you are exploring what it means to lead a classroom. And so we do that. Matter of fact, yesterday we, we launched uh, uh, this day one for FSLA 2022, Freedom School Literacy Academy 2022. Um, and so we have in-person sites as well as virtual uh, site. And what happens is they're actually teaching first, second, and third graders. So they're focused on literacy, positive racial identity development, and then some type of educational activism Uh, Project, And so that is our Freedom School Literacy Academy. So either after school or in the summer, and the component is intergenerational, high school and college youth working together and being coached and mentored and developed by our staff. And so you figure this intergenerational model, high school and college students teaching first, second and third graders, being coached by our team and going through this five, six weeks in the summer or year round after school, um, during the school year. And that, that component, this Freedom School Literacy Academy, is then married to a course, an elective course, So, which is basically, you can think about it as teaching 101, but from a Black pedagogical framework and a Black historical lens. So imagine taking an elective uh, while you're in high school that's teaching 101, but not just about what does Horace Mann and Piaget and B.F. Skinner um, and John Dewey say about teaching and learning and education. What did Carter G. Woodson say about teaching and learning? What did WB Du Bois say, the relationship between teaching and learning? What does Dr. Greg Carr and his research say about teaching and learning? Um, Suppose that's what it was grounded in. And so we have uh, what we call the Count Caddo curriculum, which is basically a teacher, the curriculum we use for this teacher academy. So if you're in high school, you can if you're in one of our partnering cities and schools, you have opportunity to take a three-year sequential course as an elective. So you take your math, your history reading, but your elective, you're like, I'm opting in to, t- to take this course during the day. Then after school, instead of going to McDonald's to work, I'm actually working in Freedom School Literacy Academy and I'm, I'm teaching first, second, and third graders and I'm paid to do it. And I'm learning at the same time and same in the summer. So that's how we look at our pathways. So it's a three-pronged, just like our, our pillars uplifting the Black Teacher Pipeline is three pillars, policy, public policy, professional learning, and pathways. Our pathways is uh, you know, really really two, but you could look at it as three pillars. Uh, FSLA after school, FSLA, uh, which is one. FSLA after school and during the summer is one. Um, the Teacher Academy is two. And then the third component, students who come through our program, who've done Freedom School Literacy Academy, who've done the Teacher Academy, then they're eligible to be, to apply to be a Black Teacher Pipeline Fellow. So you can have the job and and work in Freedom Schools, that's one thing. But then you can also say, you know what, I've experienced this, I am committing to teaching. And then you can apply to be part of this fellowship, which is in partnership with the United Negro College Fund. And it allows you to have um, those fellows that we have are, they have scholarship dollars, last dollar scholarship dollars. And then they also have retention bonuses once they graduate and start teaching for, you know, um, and they commit to teaching and they teach up to the fifth, five years, at least they get a bonus, um, regardless of where they teach, where they're working on, but we're just saying, you know what? Leading a classroom is so important and critical. To our community, that we're going to supplement, you know, in a modest way, but we're going to supplement whatever your salary is as a thank you um, from the community, from us uh, to, you know, on behalf of the community. And so those are like the the components: Freedom School Literacy Academy, Teacher Academy, and then the fellowship.
0: I love the um, holistic approach Mm -hmm. to. Thank you. um, Guiding people into um, careers and education, public policy, professional learning and pathways. Uh, Those programs, I'm sure, are making an impact and also just using historically what has worked in the African American yes, uh, community. Yes. When you look They're at freedom schools, our, our, yeah, our yeah, 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 know? the freedom schools and the Black Panthers with the liberation schools, and it was one more that you mentioned, the independent
1: Black school movement. Yes,
0: right? um, all three have had uh, success in in our community, and really, uh, not only education, but also in terms of uh, social movements and social justice. Yes. And it, uh, you talked about that previously. Can you expand upon what, how you see teachers as a part of the social justice uh, movement?
1: Yeah, I, I would encourage all your listeners to uh, read Fugitive Pedagogy as part of their, um, you know, just readings. Uh, I, I think it really paints a picture of the relationship that you also described, uh, that educators, um, the teachers and school leaders had in our community. Um, and this is one of the things that it didn't start post-enslavement in this country. This is something that was actually part of it, our, our African tradition as well. You know, the teacher in that community, the griot, the, we know that the first university and first library of the world were also in Africa, right? And so, there was always been this deep, entrenched um, understanding that education is absolutely critical. It became, you know, augmented in so many ways, even just a survival, not just envisioning, you know, on a continent of like, oh, this is what we have to do to improve and and create and build and, you know, uh, be a creative, but Once we, you know, uh, the middle passage and we're here, things that about the, you know, as Dr. Lassane talks about the Black teaching tradition, where she's drawing on Dr. Gloria Lassen-Billings and other folks about like, you know, Lisa Delpit, like, okay, what was teaching uh, during that time? So it may have become strained, but it wasn't broken. That relationship between teaching and learning and community. uh, And in Fugitive Pedagogy, it talks about specifically like the you know, just the critical role that black teachers played in so many movements, you know, in this country, whether it's creating, you know, uh, the idea of public schools, you know, uh, for, for everyone, the idea that, um, that black teachers were a big part of the black power movement. They were a big part of the civil rights, human rights movement. You know, people, we, we took students to the EJI down in Birmingham, um, uh, Brian Stevenson's uh, museum, and because a, a lot of what we wanted to expose them to is like a lot of them knew about their preachers who were involved in the civil rights movement. They had no idea about the teachers who were involved in the civil rights movement, and many of them maybe have taken a step back as far as being a public space because they could be fired for for um, being vocal about educational and racial justice um, in those spaces. Like so, people know about like Ida B. Wells and her work as a journalist they don't realize she was a classroom teacher before she became a full-time journalist. She was a Mm -hmm. full-time classroom teacher and a part-time journalist. And her advocacy for black children and black educators is what got her fired, which ended up being like, all right, I'm going to do this journalism thing (laughs) full-time. You know, um, they haven't hadn't heard about like Joanne Robinson, Mm -hmm. um, who was the organizer for the Montgomery bus boycott before they partnered with Dr. King and, you know, to take it to another level, like Joanne Robinson was a classroom teacher,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know? And so like all of these, uh, you know, the very critical role that black teachers played in, in the civic life and the political life and the social life of our communities, uh, has been a lot of times forgotten. And this is an opportunity to uplift that and honor that and replicate it in many ways.
0: So. What message do you have for those interested in pursuing careers in higher education, excuse me, not in higher education, but in education in terms of um, uh, Black males, Black women, but also those who want to, that see the potential in some of the uh, people that they see in moving? Like you said, uh, Mama Cynthia was her name? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Mama Cynthia, you, Mama Cynthia. Mama Cynthia pushed yeah. you in into education what what words of advice would you give those people to tr- to try to get more uh, African Americans to pursue careers in education
1: yeah you know what I, I would start off with what our high school te- our high school students shared with us you know so we had focus groups with high school youth to actually work on this um, idea and they came up with something very simple very straightforward very direct um, is it resonates so well with people beyond the focus group that we actually created a website uh, based off of it. And and it's hashtag, we need black teachers. Hmm. And I thought they were gonna come with something gimmicky, uh, uh, says the Ramona, like some smoke machine, gimmicky skits. And they are like, all that's fine and cute, but we wanna be direct, we wanna be straightforward. We wanna convey the gravity of the situation. And these were high school youth. And so we've been really using that and helping them amplify what their voice and what their perspective. And we love it because not only we're we intergenerational in creating a pathway to teaching, but intergenerational problem solving as well, because they are actually helping to solve the problem that they're experiencing right now as high school youth. And they're like, yeah, straightforward. Give them the data, give them the stats, tell them what we need, tell the, let the community know, This is what we need and how they can help. And so, one of them is that message is very well, you know, right out of the mouths and action plan of our high school youth. Um, Hashtag, we need black teachers. Um, I think the other uh, aspect of it is, you know, we, uh, you know, one of our colleagues at the fellowship, uh, Roy Pace, Raymond Roy Pace, talked about, you know, he started doing these organizing why I teach tours visiting high schools, visiting colleges. And a lot of times what they would talk about is when we would go, some of the youth would be like, you know, they'd be like, who wants to be a teacher? And many hands would not uh, be raised. You know, I can't help but to think about Chris Emden, Dr. Chris Emden, who talked about this at several of our Black male educator convenings, the idea of recruiting Black youth to become teachers sometimes is like uh, recruiting someone to return to the scene of a crime, a crime committed against themselves and having those conversations with youth. But one of the things that seems to resonate, two things seem to resonate with youth, even if they had negative experiences, was this idea, consider becoming the teacher you wish you had and knew you needed. Um, that's one, putting yourself in that. But then secondly, you might be the very person that's needed to be the vanguard for your younger brother and younger sister. If you had a negative experience, can you change it? Could, do you see yourself as a change agent within the system, and as well as creating a different type of space for your younger brother and sister who's coming behind you. So you can go out, slam the door, and never return. Um, but also think about you have the next generation who are going to be in, in a lot of those seats. Can you make a difference for, about their experience that propels them forward? And in doing that, propels our whole community forward simultaneously. Um, and so those are some of the ways that we've been engaging. And then You know, also just pointing out, you know, it it, it doesn't, it hasn't escaped me that when I was a teacher, I wish I had pointed out some of the great leadership that I saw in in my students and say, you know what? Wow, I love how you did that. You know what? That's what some of the best teachers in the land do. You know, oh, thank you for helping. You know what, that's what, have you ever considered becoming a teacher? Because that's what I've seen the best teachers do. Helping them connect the dots between leadership, activism, uh, socially just mindsets and movements to teaching and leading a classroom. And I think if we can commit to doing that far more often, um, you know, because we ask, even the students who say like, I want to be a teacher, you know, we're like, hey, how many of you have been looked at as a leader? And a lot of them raise their hand. How many of you have helped a peer or someone younger than you, even someone older than you with something academic or social? Most of them raise their hand. How many of you love the youth in your community? Next generation, you're committed. They raise their hand. How many of you are, are want to pursue some kind of ways fighting for educa- for racial justice? That's what we say, racial justice, social justice. Vast majority of them raise their hand. We're like, do y'all have a favorite content, like favorite subject? Yeah, they raise their hand. We're like, that sounds like the foundation of a great leader of a classroom. <laughs> They're like, this ain't te-. I'm like, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. And so helping to peel, pull the curtain back um, you know, more um, and help them connect the dots between what's happening, what's needed, and just the colossal role that teachers play and that they play as youth. And of course, we're gonna support our youth in doing whatever it is that they wanna do, but we at least wanna elevate the conversation and invite them into the profession in a, in a variety of ways. <laughs>
0: am a big advocate for higher education
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, always uh, in my um, interviews with asking a strategy for college success so okay. what college did you attend what were your majors Ma- what was your major or majors and what was your degree or degrees and then what strategy would you give students to ensure that they're successful in college
1: yeah, so I went to, um, for undergrad, I went to Indiana University of Pennsylvania, um, IUP for short, it's on the western side of, of Pennsylvania, um, one of the state schools. Um, I ended up majoring because I thought I was going to go to law school in criminal justice, pre-law, um, that's what my undergrad is in, and then once I became a teacher, I went to Chain University, first HBCU. And that's where I got my master's degree in education as as well went back to get my principal certification from Cheney University as well. Um, And I would say like, you know, the advice that I, you know, um, I would give to to youth who are um, pursuing their um, college degrees um, is one, finding the support, like not to be nervous or hesitant of getting the support Um, that's needed, um, you know, uh, whether that's the writing center, um, whether it's office hours, whether it's study groups, like create a study group, you know, like reach out, find a, find a a group of folks that you can study with, that you can work with, that you can, um, learn in community of others. I think, you know, we do best when we are in community with others, you know, uh, to make progress. And I think sometimes as individuals, we forget that, oh no, we can create community wherever we are. And we should, we should most certainly do that. Um, we are in places like the Institute of Higher Education and finding like, what's the writing center? Where do students go when they are struggling or need support? You know, one of the, And one of the best uh, pieces of advice that I got when I was in college was from my roommate who was going to office hours. he has straight A's and I'm just like why are you always going to office hours you got straight A's he said I want to keep my A you know (laughs) so he he was thinking about like how do I just stay super strong in this content um and how do I you know uh stay a chapter ahead how do I access and gain and I was just like wow like I you know as a 16 year old I'm just like my thing like I got an A I'm good I'm you know and he's like, no, I'm not letting off the gas pedal. Like I am doing that. And then the other group that I saw that was really successful, they were starting, they were accessing support, but they were also creating support with um, within the community. So that would be my advice. And I think it it transcends even experiences in college. Like that is, uh, that is a strategy that you can do um, wherever you are, you know, build community, tap into the resources, um, and, and uh, build systems of support for yourself and others.
0: Uh, this is excellent advice. Find the support you need to excel in school. And that support can be twofold. It's you access support from the institution. You tap into the resources, whether it be uh, tutors, whether it be going to office hours, building relationships with your professors, um, getting access to reading classes, tutorials, all of those support systems exist within the institution.
1: Upperclassmen, right? Yes. Not just uh- what, <laughs> what class to take, who, who do I avoid, but also like, hey, do you have 20 minutes um, exactly. every week to like go through this with me? I wish I had done that. and Because they would have been more than willing, you know, looking yes. back like, our upperclassmen at IUP, they were so dope. You know, they were in the, 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 uh, the cultural center. They were doing it. They were doing so many things. And if I would have said like, Hey, I'm taking this course, I'm struggling a little bit. Do you have time or can you point me in the right direction?
0: They would have, they would have yeah. loved to. It wasn't just the
1: social things that they, cause that's what people exactly. would lean on them. Hey, I'm having the trouble with this or with that, or this person or the cafeteria, they were massive. Around. And I was like, Suppose I was to access them for academic support, they would have 100% provided that, but it never dawned on my mind, but I would also push upperclassmen, if you can provide support as like tutoring sessions or Mm -hmm. your own type of office hours, that's academic support, like I think our retention rate would be even higher.
0: That's it. That's it. I never thought of it that way. Not only do students, uh, tap into, I call them
1: our peer elders. Mm -hmm. Not only
0: do you tap into the peer elders, but peer elders, you can take the initiative and, and provide, uh, support for undergraduate. Like he just said, it just, you can have your own out, uh, office hours, you know, in the library or in the student center where you spend some time helping, uh, uh, students who are not as advanced as you are in various areas and then the second uh, way you uh, get support is you create your own support systems and you can create community anywhere as as uh, Sharif has explained and so, make sure that uh, you take this advice. I believe this is great advice. Uh, you know, tap into support. Thank you so much, Sharif El Malik, for this. Uh, Mickey, excuse me, <laughs> uh, for uh, for this uh, advice. It was great.
1: Oh yeah, no, thank you. I'm, you know, I feel really blessed and grateful um, to never really in my life not been in community with others. Um, And I realize that it's such an immense blessing um, and privilege to have experienced life in that type of way. And I I recognize, you know, um, that that's not always the case for so many people. And so I I encourage us to continue to do that. Like that is a part of the calculus that we need as we navigate, um, you know, this space and place and time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you.
0: A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone, on Gully, Theme Song, NadWorks, Digital Support, and of course our featured guest. If you enjoyed my podcast, please subscribe. We are on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Be sure to rate us on Apple Podcasts too. Thank you for your continued support.